Hey, this is Mike Russo with the Worst Season in the House podcast. Jake Middleton in a very special show will be my guest on July 24th at 7 p.m. at Elsie's for a live recording of the Worst Season in the House podcast. So come on down to uh, listen to Jake Middleton, meet Jake Middleton, all that good stuff. Again, July 24th, 7 p.m. at Elsie's. Jake Middleton and Michael Russo for a live recording of Worst Season in the House. Welcome back to Worst Seats in the House with Michael Russo and Anthony LaPanta. Right now we are coming to you, uh, well, we're coming to you from my place, but... Uh, it's the Aquarius Home Services yeah, Studio. Home, home, Aquarius Home Services Studio, and we're like, uh, I don't know, uh, three or four days into our Sicily trip right now, but we're recording this before we went, because uh, we did a really cool live show at Elsie's on uh, Thursday night uh, with a bunch of guests, Joe Smith and I co-hosted, but the one thing that we haven't done, Anthony and myself, is... Go over so far the off season uh, since the draft. We did the we did a podcast leading into free agency, but uh, you know the Wild have just been super active in free agency. Anthony, we got a ton of things to talk about, and it's it was expected. We thought they'd be the most active team in the <laughs> NHL. That this was going to be a make or break off season for them. Yeah, I do like the Pat Maroon addition for mm-hmm. the team. I I know that we talked a lot about Ryan Reeves and whether there'd be a fit here and how badly Billy wanted to make something happen. I actually like the Pat Maroon addition to the team better than than keeping Ryan Reeves. And I know Reeves got a good three year deal in Toronto that was more than he was going to get with Minnesota. I like Maroon. He's not going to score 27 goals like he did once earlier in his career, but he's a winner and brings a little bit of that same kind of energy. From what I've heard, I don't know him personally. From what I've heard, some of that same kind of energy leadership that Reeves got. And the Vinny Letary addition is, I think it's a low-risk, potentially, I want to say high reward, but it gives you a guy that has scored. And think about how many times last year when they were – tapping the Iowa roster to bring somebody up to fill a spot. It's nice to have a guy that you might be able to bring up that that brings a little bit of scoring punch because at times when Minnesota was in the scoring drought that they were late in the year, the guys they were bringing up were more third, fourth line type guys at the NHL level. And instead, now you get a guy who maybe he can come up and in a pinch be a guy that you throw in your top six and he can help you. And maybe not even come on. Maybe he makes the team out of camp because the Wild are going to need, you know, when when they go, like, this is going to be an interesting year with their cap situation. They might have to really go when they're in town. And if I was in town at the same time with the bare minimum on the roster, uh, obviously they're probably going to have 7D just because that's, they have seven one-way contracts, assuming assuming Addison gets done. But up front, you know, with their caps as to a situation, they could have 12 forwards when they're here and I was here. But when they go on the road or I was on the road, you bring up that 13th guy. Obviously, you can't do that all the time with Letary because he requires waivers. But at 775, he's somebody that you could probably tuck in the cap if you need him, bring him to Eastern Canada, things like that, get him in the lineup if need be. Um, and that actually would be easily uh, easier fit in their cap situation right now than even an $850,000 prospect like a, like a, you know, Adam Beckman who makes a shade more than that, or a, a Sammy Walker, even those are, those guys are really good prospects. Yeah. And I think you just, there's also just a little bit about where guys fit. And if Vinny makes the team, he isn't going to be in the top six. He's going to be a fourth line guy. So he's got to prove that he can, that he could fill that kind of a role on a regular basis. But yeah, it's going to be a year where they're going to be manipulating it. There's no doubt about it. And it's going to be a busy year for Chris O'Hearn. He's, uh, he's going to have to do some calculations on the fly and you hope that you don't end up in a spot where you're, where you're scrambling due to injuries, but it's, you know, it's going to happen. Inevitably it happens. There's going to be some spots where they're tight and hopefully they're, they are able to manage it to a point where they don't have to play shorthanded. Yeah. And and that is the big thing is that, uh, you know, the way it works uh, is that you would have to go a game short and then you can go after the cap if, if, if need be, and we'll see what happens. By the way, um, 
we are going to do a live show on July 24th, 7 p.m. at Elsie's. It'll be me and a co-host. Um, not maybe not even a co-host, a guest uh, is probably what I'm going to be doing. Uh, try to get a Minnesota Wild player out there or somebody that uh, is in the. I thought you were going to bring Ariana. On yeah, that I think show. Ar- so. Ariana's here, uh, your, your youngest daughter. Um, it, Used to be big into the flagrant fouls and basketball games. So yeah. one, I went to one game of hers, very disappointed that she was on her best behavior, but most times she usually would uh, get some flagrants. You had to yeah. have some talks from with the coaches and things like that. Well, but now she's a golf star. She's a golf star, that's true. Although today she and I were partners today. We had a singles match as well that ended in a push, which is I think it's three in a row we've – We've pushed our matches now, so the, she's got a 3-2-4 and four lead in the summer series head-to-head. But today we were partners, and we got smoked by Carla Meyer, who was one of her high school basketball teammates that you went and watched play, and her father. Her father shot a 75 today, and we got absolutely killed. <laughs> On our home course, it was embarrassing. We got beat 6-5 and five at Loggers Trail, and so there, we got to get a rematch on the schedule. Who, who lost their temper more, you or Ariana, during it? Uh, I don't know that either one of us. What? Uh, apparently, yeah. uh, it was you. Well, I didn't. Uh, I don't think I swore. Well, I don't think I was. Uh, I didn't swear at my ball today. I've been. I, I have. A, <laughs> it's. I sometimes release by swearing at my ball, but I had to. I had to restrain today. I, today, it was so bad. Today, it wasn't even worth swearing at the ball. It was. We were. We were out of this match so fast. It was crazy. <laughs> um, but Ariana could be your guest. Yeah, Ariana, you're more than welcome. We'll just spend an hour roasting your dad. Really, the thing when you think about it, like one of the stories that we've just shared with Ariana recently was a time that she got teed up for dropping some foul language on a referee at like a sixth grade or seventh grade basketball game. And <laughs> so if she joined the show, then you're the one who always gets bleeped out on this I show. Know. So we could put the two of you on and Brandon will be busy all night with the beat. I'll button. tell you one thing. Ariana learned a couple years ago on our trip, might've even been last summer. No, two years ago on our trip that she's got to be on her best behavior when she's home while we're in Europe, because uh, there's GPS devices on the phone, and we knew that at like 2 a.m. she came into your house, and yeah. uh, instead of you and or Margot sending her a text, <laughs> I said, "I said, where were you?" Yeah. Scared the heck out of her. That's she thought true. I was watching. And so. it's although I, we should probably like you and Margot could track her location. Yeah, yeah, you it have was, no idea. It wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't the one tracking, but she's in charge of the house, so we'll have to. Maybe we'll do a little monitoring yeah. from Sicily. Um, I got a bunch of Twitter questions, but uh, let's just talk quickly about arbitration. Um, uh, obviously, Philip Gustafson and uh, Brandon Duham filed for arbitration. Just uh, part of the process. That's the way that this stuff goes. Um, it's a safety net. One, it assures that these contracts will be done right before, uh, significantly before camp. So we won't have another Kirill Kaprizov signing on the eve or Kevin Fiala signing on, you know, a couple days late. Um, this thing, you know, remember uh, Nino Niederreiter once was close to camp. Uh, Erickson Eck was sort of close to camp, not, but, but way in advance. So this will get done. Um, I got to think Duhame will be done, uh, settled well before. The one that I have a feeling is going to arbitration is is the one with uh, with Philip Gustafson. They just seem to be way apart right now. Which, that really puts stress on the other ones, though, too, mm-hmm. because I agree with you that I, those seem like the ones that would get settled before the hearing, but yeah. the reality is you might you can't settle those until you know what that number is going to be. So that's a good point. Yeah. Maybe they'll have a, a feel, at least they'll know a worst case scenario, so to speak, if they lose the yeah. arbitration hearing, but it's gonna boy, be it is yeah. really, it is really unfortunate. The kind of bind it is putting this team in that that's, yeah. that that's where this has landed. Because even do him, it's like, if you want to sign him and buy out some of his UFA years, you, 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 that ups the cap figure. And right now with, with Gus, and it's not even just like that, the stress, like they have their, in their own mind, what their number is and what they think the number would be by an arbitrator, but they can't be too sure anymore with Corpus getting this amount of money and Aiden Hill getting this amount of money. And, you know, clearly Kurt Overhart, 
uh, Gustafson's agent feels that he has a compelling case to present. This is somebody that's been to arbitration many times, too. You know, a lot of these things settle well before, but Kurt is one of those uh, agents that bring that files for arbitration. And a lot of times will actually end up there, um, you know, prior to a settlement. So it's just going to be interesting to see what that final number is. And then to tr- if that number is high, Anthony, you're right. It's going to affect Duhame. It might affect uh, a- Addison. It's certainly going to affect the ability to afford a 13th forward. And it might be in a position where they are going to have to trade a player away. Yeah, I well, I agree with all of that. And the the you mentioned the other goaltender numbers. I was just looking at this yesterday. That those there are some numbers that were bizarre to me. Corpusalo getting four per mm-hmm. on a five year deal. The Varlamov I thought was overpaid at two seven five. Freddie Anderson seemed about right, but Cam Talbot getting two million. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is there's. There's some crazy numbers on there. I, I Brassois was just under two. I, I don't know. It it sure seems like it was a a player friendly tilt in right. those, wouldn't you say? I think a lot yeah. of those guys got a little and bit affects more everybody than what else. You, and it does affect everybody else. A lot of those guys got a little bit more than you would have guessed they were gonna get. And you know, that, I think the number though that the Wild are going to be looking at is is the one that uh, Ben Hankinson did with Jake Ottinger because it's right at number at four million. And look, uh, Aiden Hill won a cup, you yeah. could, so you could that could be your justification and there. Let's face um, it, Philip Gustafson is not Jake Ottinger. He's not Jake Ottinger. Yeah, uh, and uh, so we'll see. You know, there just comes a point where too maybe the player needs to just say, "Hey, let's let's get it done here." Well, I think we're at that point. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. we talked about this before that, uh, that when players will stand back and just say, "It's my agent. My agent's in charge of that." Uh, the agent works for you. You have the ability to tell mm-hmm. your agent, "Just get this done." Yeah, and let's get the best deal we can get today and sign it. Let's go. Uh, we mentioned we're doing this from the Aquarius Home Services studio, and uh, don't miss out on this fantastic news. Aquarius is having a Connecticut midsummer mega sale now through April 12th. Aquarius is offering 25% off any non any new non electric Connecticut whole home water treatment systems. That's right, 25% off a Connecticut whole home water treatment system. Are you ready for worry free water, spotless dishes, and softer clothes? Whether you have city or well water at Aquarius, we work hard to earn the right to be recommended by making your home and family's safety uh, perfect. Comfort is our top priority as your independent authorized Connecticut dealer. It all starts with a free water analysis. So call them today and get that free water analysis to learn how to save 25% off and have amazing water. Visit ConnecticutMN.com and schedule your free water analysis today. And don't forget to mention Russo sent you. All summer long, it's grilling season, and that means it's time to visit the fish and meat counter at Kowalski's. We just stopped in there. Right before leaving for Sicily, we went and spent a night out with some good friends up on Big Sandy in northern Minnesota, and we stopped on the way up, picked up some Akaushi ribeyes and Arctic char that we made a great Arctic char on the Blackstone, a herb crusted with a miso lemon and butter sauce that was unbelievable. But anytime you've got this, an opportunity to have a great meal with some great friends, you got to stop. They say it's the joy of good food. I say it's you got to have the best ingredients. I always go to Kowalski's, and the meat and cheese counter didn't disappoint. And we're working on another show, too, just for the throw it out that we don't have a date set yet. But at some point in August or September, we'll have another grilling session in the Kowalski's parking lot, and we'll stay tuned for some details on that. We'll get that hammered out when we get back from Sicily. And uh, here's a word from Royal Credit Union. Open a 5.25% annual percentage yield 15-month certificate from Royal Credit Union. Open now at rcu.org slash certificate 525. Early withdrawal penalties could reduce earnings and principal. APY accurate as of 6-5-23. Insured by NCUA. All right, back here, worst seats in the house. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta uh, coming to you uh, from, well, we'll pretend we're in Sicily. We are in Sicily when this is coming out on on the air. So John Thomas wants to know. Yeah, it is super hot. Holy moly. Uh, John Thomas wants to know uh, what's first when you get to Sicily, red wine, pasta, or an espresso? Um, I've got to think it's going to be an espresso, Anthony, for one reason. It's going to be your third flight when we land there. Uh, so, the, so the way that uh, the group coming from Minnesota goes, it goes Minneapolis to Atlanta, Atlanta to Paris, Paris to Palermo. And then we're going to land there in the morning, and we can't check into the hotel until the afternoon, mid-afternoon. So I think you're going to be in the dire need of an espresso. Yeah, it's possible. We've... I, 
let's see, it'll be, well, it'll, it'll probably be an espresso only because you could grab one in the airport on the way to the bus where it might be tougher to grab a, a vino to go. So I'd say espresso, except if you remember, we've had a plan of attack to beat jet lag before. And we were just telling the story with my friends up on Big Sandy this week that the first time we went, AJ and I decided that we were going to, because we were leaving in the middle of the afternoon, we said, we're going to stay up as late as we can the night before so that we get on the plane, we can sleep. So we stayed up throwing darts in the basement. We got up and played a round of golf. I don't know if you remember the story that you would you were texting with Margo about yep. what time we were getting to the airport. And Margo said, well, the guys are on the golf course. They haven't even packed yet. <laughs> so we ran home. We packed. We got And it worked. We got on the plane. We both were asleep in no time. So we were able to sleep. And we landed in Milan. And everybody else was dragging. And we went to straight to lunch and sat down and had vino first on that trip. And then we tried to stay up as late as we could that night, the first night in Como, to make sure we got on Italian time. So I may try and do that tonight. I was telling Margo that, all right, well, we gotta we got to find something to do. We're going to stay up all night tonight before we drive to the airport in the morning so that when we arrive, we're adequately tired. We'll see. We'll have, <laughs> we'll have an update on whether or not it worked on our next show that we record while in Sicily. Yeah, we're going to do, uh, we did this last summer too when we were in Prague, but we're going to do uh, in front of our entire audience. We got 34 people coming on this trip. We'll do a, a podcast from there. And then, as I mentioned, the July 24th show at Elsie's 7 Did you see the picture that our guide, Peter, who is joining us again, He's this will be his fourth trip with us. And he's already in Sicily doing some advanced scouting. He said Mount Etna is erupting right yeah, now, I know. which would be kind of cool because so, we're going to see Mount yeah. Etna while we're there. So, you know what's really neat is I, I think you told me that, hey, you got to watch uh, White Lotus because season two takes place in Sicily. So at a very least, not only is it a great series, but you're going to get to see all these places that we're going to go. And the hotel that they, they film this at is the Four Seasons there, which is right in, I think it's Catania, and yeah, it overlooks, and we're staying in yeah, Catania. yeah, and yeah. it overlooks Mount Etna, so it's going to be. That'll be great. Yeah, that'll did be. Did you did you watch the Stanley Tucci on I CNN? Yet. The he does the discovering yeah. Italy. Done, I think I've, it's called. Yeah, I've done. And, I've watched him like in Italy, but I haven't seen the one that's Sicily. Yeah, which it's terrific, okay. and it would be worth. I don't know if I know you're leaving a day early, so it'd be worth you downloading if you can to find it. It's he does one to each of the twenty yeah. regions in Italy, and. It's a, but the one to Sicily is really cool because he goes to a couple vineyards, several restaurants, like always, gives you a little bit of history on the, of, of Sicily. Also, some of the current struggles they're having right now with migrants and, and everything. But it's the, the vineyards that he visits and the restaurants he visits are awesome and gives you a great background into mm -hmm. it. And I'll tell you, we, we just, I keep referring to this dinner we had with some friends up in on Big Sandy, but I brought a couple Sicilian wines that we've been really, I've been trying to drink more of them here the last couple of weeks to get used to what they taste like. And we found this Quite great the commitment, by it you. is. I'm fully committed. I want to be able to help our 34 guests. Yeah. To, we found this great vineyard called Donna Fugata. It's the fugitive woman. And we had a terrific white and a red from there last night that is that were awesome I, i'm hoping that we stumble across this place while we're there i have no idea where it is in sicily but uh, it's i'm really looking forward to some of the vineyards that we are going to visit but i'm going to try to find this place while we're there that's pretty cool we got to figure out ways to to sort of venture off because um actually my brother who's coming on his first ever this is so this is my fifth uh, russo trip and um and four with Anthony, one I did solo, and this is the first time my brother and his wife are coming on. And so my brother has done a lot of legwork in the last couple of days with a lot of our cousins over here, trying to get in touch with how we get in touch with all our Russo cousins in Sicily. And uh, so we're trying to figure this out on, on if there's a way so to meet people. So with your brother people. along, does that mean that you'll be better behaved? You'll be nicer to people? You'll be more accommodating? Or is that not affected? Uh, usually nothing can save <laughs> anybody from me. Because we know that your mom hasn't had that impact yeah. on you on these previous trips. Yeah. 
Um, I was telling somebody yesterday, very closely affiliated with the wild. He's like, so what are these trips like uh, with you and Anthony? Like, are you on duty? And I said, no, I said, I said, it's, it's incredible. You know, like a bunch of wild fans, a lot of regulars come on these trips, but what's really cool about it is that really it's just at the end of the nights when we really start talking, you know, after dinner and people just kind of gather around and we're drinking wine and we're talking about the team and things like that. I said, but what's really funny is that a lot of these people come on these trips with this certain impression of me and the certain impression of Ariana's dad and they leave these trips loving Ariana's dad and like that Russo is not anything like <laughs> I thought he was uh, so yeah I can be a little moody um, yeah uh, yeah, uh, that's for sure. And, and maybe just a little bit more intolerant of others than me. <laughs> but, and I will say too, that margot has been on these trips and it's, it's amazing. Like everybody becomes Margot's friend very quickly. Yeah, so she's the, like a co-host. Co she is. And it, and more so than, than probably you or I, because everybody just wants to, they want to talk to her. Like how in the world do you deal with these guys on yeah. a regular basis? And, and then she stays in contact with, them. And we've made some really good friends yeah. on these trips. I, I just played golf last week with Brian Dahl, who's been a regular. And I played with Hod Irvine, who's a, a connected with the Wild as a minority owner as well, but was on the last two trips. And we got together and played golf. We've met some great people. A lot of them are regulars on the podcast at the podcast, too. So it's it's been a lot of fun. And and yeah, there's a there's a hosting element where there's a little bit of on duty, but it's so much fun. Oh, that yeah, it's, no, it's, it's uh, it is not. It isn't labor. Let's just say that. No, certainly not. Not this trip. No. Other than the heat, uh, this trip is going to be a lot of unhealthy eating and drinking. I assume a lot of cool. It's guilt-free yeah. for me during these yeah. two weeks. Yeah, uh, it's always guilt-free for me. All right, how is uh, Craig Lubehold doing these days? His thoughts on the season or whatever? Says home a dog. Home a uh, home a mad hoga mad dog is his Twitter name. Um, by the way, are you on Threads? No. Yeah, I've never you, even heard of. Yeah, it. I knew that. I said that to actually somebody on Threads today, and like, you know, what's it be, what's it like to post stuff to two platforms? I said that's a perfect question for Anthony because I guarantee you, there's zero clue he's even heard of Threads. No. So Threads I, is allegedly the thing, by the way, that's gonna, uh, you know, get rid of Twitter. It's not, but it, but that's this is like the anti-Twitter. It's done by Meta. You know what's funny is like I don't know what Meta is. Meta either. is like I guess the well. I, Really, genuinely, I don't either. But it's Mark Zuckerberg's, you know, basically it's Instagram, Facebook, that whole thing. And then Twitter's the sort of the thing. And it's like everybody's <laughs> aligning with Zuckerberg, which seems a little weird. Um, but uh, uh, back to this other question uh, on, uh, on Leopold. So this uh, person asked that. I actually got uh, chatted with Leopold at the draft, uh, doing really well, very optimistic about the future, uh, the next couple of years and getting past these cap hits. And then he's really convinced that once they get past this, that they're going to be, um, you know, really able to to soar, be aggressive, and really turn this team into a consistent contender. As all Wild fans know, I mean, he's owned this team since 2008. He's sunk a ton of money into it. Has always been a cap team, and that's what he wants. Is he wants to one day lift that cup? Yeah, and I think it's right now they've been a consistent contender. I I know what you mean. You mm -hmm. mean a cup contender, not just like a, a playoff contender, and. And I think I, I think he's. I get the feel like everybody in the organization is realistic about what the the limit is for this club right now with these cap hits. And it's it's not to say that anything is just lip service when they say we intend to win, we intend to win, we intend to win. I, I, they do want to win, and they're trying to win. But I also think they all can be realistic when they look at it and say. But we're trying to win with one hand tied behind our back, yeah. and and that I'm not. I don't say that as if it was a something beyond their control. It was their decision to tie their own hand behind their back, and I still believe the decision was the right one to make. But it does put you in a spot where trying to compete that far under the cap is re you'd have to have a lot of things break right in order to be the last team standing they at the end no of the year. They have no room for error ever. And right. we learned that this postseason. Because whether or not you – like it's arguable if you're a fan, if you think they were a true cup contender this year – but they certainly weren't the second they lost Eric Sinek in Pittsburgh. And right. they certainly weren't when Ryan Hartman hurt his knee. And that's the situation that they find themselves in these next two years, is right. that they need to go. And they certainly weren't when Kirill Kaprizov got hurt no. in Winnipeg and he wound up only playing two yeah. games going yeah, into the I playoffs. I thought this was a team that if 
not looking at specific matchups. To me, it looked like a team that was a threat to win a playoff series, but not a team that was a threat to win four playoff series. Mm -hmm. And they were good enough to beat any one team that was in that playoff field. They could have won a playoff series against Dallas. They could have beaten they could have beaten Vegas in a series just as easily as they would have lost to them. But but I don't think they looked like a team that could beat in succession, say, Dallas, Seattle, Vegas, and whoever came out of the East. It didn't I didn't think they looked like that kind of a threat. Yeah. Because the odds of keeping everybody healthy with yeah. no margin for error yeah. was slim. Yeah. That's why I mean Vegas obviously had margins for error, but they were so healthy. Um, and, and I just think that's the problem. It was like the, why it was a disaster going into the season because Karol Kaprizov, even though he was back, he really wasn't, right. um, you know, and, and the Arisenak injury, it was easier for them to survive Kaprizov as weird as this sounds. And it was Arisenak. Yeah. Arisenak was their yeah. most irreplaceable player. Absolutely. And, um, and so that's the, that's the trouble is that when you lose Arisenak on this team, you have to replace him with a $750,000 player, Sam Steele. Right. Um, and you know, in, we saw what happened when they, when Dallas lost Kapowski, they just took a $9 million player in Sagan and said, you're and, now our number and one, moved him up. and right. you're on our power and then play Domi and then he and, and they would not right. stop scoring power and play Max goals. Domi and Evgeny Dodonov yeah. were your extra guys that you added yeah. that were, and boy, I'll tell you that going back to where we started the show with free agency, Dallas has got to be the team when you look at the teams in the central division that man do they look solid right now yeah four with four forward lines we'll see what happens with their full defensive core I you know I, I think their top end guys are right up there with the best in the league but if, if Jake Ottinger even duplicates what he did this year they are going to be a handful absolutely um Wanted to tell everybody about Chris Lindahl Real Estate. I wanted to tell everybody that it's summer and the weather has been great. Well, other other than it feels like you're inhaling a chimney outside. Uh, but you know what that means. The summer selling is here. Be proactive and take action today, even if you're not right, quite ready to sell your home because you want to be better informed and ready to move forward when the time is right to sell your home. That's why I'm directing you over to Chris Lindahl's Real Estate Guaranteed Cash Offers. They're amazing because the market is competitive. And they are in the home buying business, so their offers need to be really, really strong. More people are moving again as interest rates have stabilized. Sell your home stress-free with a guaranteed offer from Chris Lindahl Real Estate. There are no showings, no decluttering, no repairs, and no stress. It's the easy way to sell your home. They keep you in control so you can sell your home fast. You can pick your closing date and move when it's convenient for you. To find out what your guaranteed offer should be, go to chrislindahl.com. There's no obligation, or you can call 763-401-SOLD. Again, chrislindahl.com or 763-401-SOLD. Close with confidence and start packing. Terms and conditions apply. And here's a word from Bosch Law Firm. Hey, hockey fans. Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Anthony, tell us about Moe's. Well, Moe's is a great spot to go watch games during the summertime, and it's located at right connected to Fogarty Ice Arena. But even if you're not there to go inside the arena, it's a great place just to stop in. they got a great menu, great sandwiches. As I've talked about before on this show, I'm a big fan of the pastrami sandwich. Check it out. It's on a pretzel bun. It's it's terrific. But it's a great place. they got great people working there. I ran into one of their bartenders when I was down at the practice range a couple of weeks ago. And he was, in fact, that was right when the, was it the Robertson Cup that the for the, Tier two junior yeah, team, right? And so they were, they were hosting some of that, and they had a full staff on hand for it. It's a great place to go in and watch a game, watch the Twins during the summer, the Wild during the winter. Check it out. It's Moe's at the Ice House at Fogarty Arena. Awesome. Let's go back to Twitter questions, Anthony. Uh, Jake Edson wants to say, who's better suited for a bottom six role, Adam Beckman or Sammy Walker? And conversely, who needs the opportunity in the top six? Um, with this team, you're probably not getting them into the top six if they're healthy. Like Ryan Hartman is likely still the number one center of this team going into the season with Kaprizov and Zuccarello. 
the Boldy Johansson uh, line with Erickson Eck when Erickson Eck was healthy was outstanding. So right. you're not changing that up. So it's if there's going to be a spot for Adam Beckman or Sammy Walker, it's going to come on a bottom six role if they're healthy. Yeah, and I think of the two, Walker would be the guy whose skill set seems to fit a top six role mm -hmm. better. Beckman would be a guy that I think would be a more valuable bottom six guy. But I think both of them, you're right, unless there's injury, I think both of them would likely be a, a bottom six guy to start. It's interesting, though. I was just thinking about this this morning. When you look at the Wilds offseason and you talk about their free agency and they were quiet and everything, what we really overlook sometimes is that they essentially added Marcus Johansson. They they did from where last year's team started, so that is kind of there is kind of that one addition that they made, and I know mm -hmm. they it was a a trade and a re-sign, but it it almost is like a free agent yeah. addition when you're looking at what do you have this year that you didn't have last year. You have mm -hmm. Marcus Johansson, and that's a big plus. He was a huge addition to this club, and that is one thing just for fans to keep in mind that this isn't. I've had a lot of people ask, like, well, why would you think you roll out the same team that wasn't good enough last year? Well, it's the same team plus Marcus Johansson, mm -hmm. and I think that's a big difference. I had somebody that came up to me at a store the other day. He's like, I got one question for you. And I'm like, what? And he goes, why did Marcus Johansson get a full no-trade clause? And I said, because he signed for two years, $2 million each. That is way under value than right. he would have gotten in the free agent market. So in their exchange for giving him a contract that would be easily tradable was now you're in control. So, you know, if, if they ever want to trade him, they could work with him. But now he's in control. Right. He gives and them he tournament money. so many yeah. times late yeah. in the year that he just he – he's been playing for a different team every year. He just wanted to settle in someplace right. for a couple of years. And so his compromise was I'll sign under what I could get probably on the free agent market, but you got to let me have that that control, and, and, and that's why they did it. Whether you agree or not, that I get it, but – but uh, that's that's the reason. That was my answer. Uh, Nate Snyder says, which defensive player in the Iowa Wild do you think has the best chance of making the main roster or even the seventh defenseman spot? Um, right now, if this is their team back and everybody's healthy, nobody. I mean, if John Merrill, Alex Golgowski, and Callan Addison are on the team, that's the seventh D. Now, next up, if they need a veteran, Dakota Mermis. If they don't, if they want to go young kid, uh, you know, Damon Hunt had a great year last year, and it would be Damon Hunt. By the way, development camp is going on right now. Joe Smith is covering that. Um, by the time this podcast runs, development camp will actually be over. Um, but he's been working on a couple of really cool stories. Danilo Yurov and Liam Ogren are in camp, a bunch of their young kids. Um, somebody asked me on Twitter the other day why Wallstat wasn't here. That was a Bill Guerin decision. Um, they could have brought him over here, but he played a month in the World World Championship. He played a bunch of hockey. Um, he's a professional player at this point, and Bill basically told uh, Brad Bombardier to tell him, hey, you don't have to come across the ocean for four days like this. So, um, you know, it, that's, that, that is the reason why he's not here right now. Um, but a lot of guys, by the way, uh, not just uh, the kids, what's really cool is a lot of the wild players right now are down there working out. The Spurgeons, the Merrills, the, the Rosies are here all summer. The Addisons, the Boldies are all spending time here um, working down at the gym. So they're getting to see, uh, you know, guys that they eventually aspire to be. Yeah, and all of that sets such a great example. I was, when you think about this group of prospects, it's interesting to reflect on I'd say the last wave of prospects that looked like this crew was the last group that ended up being the core of this club for you know the first of these what maybe first five or six of these playoff appearances over the last eleven years. Zucker, Granlin, Brodeen, Coyle, when all those guys were coming up at the same time, and that I remember going to those development camps, and you were looking at a whole pile of guys that were like, holy cow, these guys, they all look like NHL players. Mm -hmm. And or look like guys that are on track to be NHL players, and that's kind of what this prospect pool has that kind of a feel, yeah. And it might be a couple of years away, but they have that kind of feel. Nate Prosser was a guest on the podcast, uh, on Thursday, uh, with Joe and me over at Elsie's, and I know you listen to it, so this will won't be news yeah, to you. This isn't news, yeah, yeah. Um, but he, uh, he, uh, Nate, Nate was talking about his first development camp and and uh, and then going to Traverse City, and his first person he sees is Jared Spurgeon, and he's, and he's thinking that he's going there and he's looking around, and he's seeing all these like big, you know, wondering who the big 
you know, big prospects for me. The first person he sees is this little kid. It's like, who the heck is this kid? And next thing you know, here we are 13 years later, he's the captain of the team. It's pretty nuts. Uh, Terry Clavin. And by the way, Spurs should be an inspiration to all these kids. You know, undrafted is through a second time and, and comes to development camp, shows himself so well, gets invited to Traverse City. And next thing you know, he's the captain of the team. It's it's pretty neat. It's somebody that all those kids should look at and say, that's who I have to be like. Uh, Terry Clavin says, uh, does Garen move away from Coach Evison after the year if they if the team loses next playoffs, or, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, I mean, obviously we have to see how everything is at the end of the year. But the one thing, you know, that I think that we all have to keep in context with Dean Anthony is what we just said, you know, two minutes ago is that is that Dean Evison is coaching a team that has a $15 million less players than everybody else. That's two stars right. that less than everybody else. That's two $7 million players. That's significant. And so when the Wilds depth takes a hit, that's what happens. And, you know, their, their, their special teams was much, much better in the regular season, not nearly as good in the playoffs. And I just think that right now it's too early to say that, but he has two years left on his deal. Um, we all know that Craig Leopold doesn't like to eat term on a contract like that. So it, it's just, again, I think when Bill Guerin in that end of the year presser talked about how tough these next two years are going to be with the cap, that was also an out for Dean to say, you know what, like, look, this is hard for this guy to coach through this situation. Right. And I, I said earlier that Billy continues to say, we're here to win. There are no excuses. We're here to win. I don't care what we've got. This is our roster. We're good enough to win. Let's go win. And I believe that's what he believes. But every time you think about what, when you really sit down and think about what $15 million is, you just referenced two star players. How about three $5 million players? Yeah. Think about the look around the league at guys that are making five million bucks and say, put three of those guys on your roster. And that's what this team is playing without. It's it's remarkable that they've been as consistently good as they've been. And, you know, they're not they did it to themselves. I think Dean's probably will be able to survive as long as the team is is competitive. I don't think it's a, hey, you have to win a playoff series or you got to change the coach. But it really depends on how you get there and who you play. If you battle all season and you you fight through a really competitive division and get in, and let's say Dallas or Colorado wins the division and you give them a run in the first round of the playoffs but you lose to them, that's different than if you, let's say, some other teams in the division underachieve and, and Minnesota winds up with home ice advantage in the first round and they get upset by a team that, that shouldn't beat them. Well, now that, that's different. So I just think there's a lot of things you don't know. It's hard to just say, what does the team have to do for Dean to hold his job? Yeah, and, I mean, if they go into the playoffs again next year without an extra neck and a Hartman right. on one leg and a Kaprizov, that's, that's right. look, it's not an excuse. It's valid. It's, you know, it's the reality. Yeah, I mean, it just it just is. So it's just it's it's way too too hard to say, Anthony. As as you said, a couple more questions here. Uh, somebody asked any big names going into the Beauty League that'll be announced soon, but that does start July twelfth, by the way, and uh, it goes every uh, seven days, every Wednesday in the month of July, then uh, twice a week, Mondays and Wednesdays, I believe, in August, and again starts July twelfth over at Braymore. Three games a night, uh, so definitely go check out that out. It's always a, a fun fun. Uh, time over there. A um, couple more questions, Anthony. Uh, some fun ones too at the end. Um, uh, with the perceived, this is Flyy asks. Uh, with a perceived logjam of centers, how does Rossi break into the top six? If we get sandwiched between uh, Moose and Fre uh, Freddie, I don't see how he will produce like they need him to. Seems like a yearly occurrence where uh, we have a budding star with no help. Um, I mean, that's just where he's going to have to play unless they're just going to throw him and give him a shot right away with Kaprizov and Zuccarello, which he's got to prove that he deserves to be there. They're going to go with they're going to go with Hartman to start camp there. And, uh, you know, like the second line should be Erickson Eck and, and Boldy and, and Johansson until right. they show that they don't have the chemistry of last year. So right now to start camp, I guarantee it's going to be Felino, Rossi and Goudreau. Yeah, and I might not be the perfect fit for those guys in terms of, you know, would Felino be better playing with Erickson Eck? Absolutely. Would Goudreau be better playing with uh, a more skilled other winger? Maybe. Would Rossi be better playing with <laughs> Kaprizov and Zuccarello? Maybe. I mean, but but that's the reality. That's where they are, and, and they have to 
there have been guys who have been thrown on third lines and have found ways to score. So Marco Rossi needs to do that. He needs to earn his way up the lineup. It isn't going to be, hey, we're just going to thrust you in here and be, hope that you start scoring because you're playing with better guys. I do think we will likely see him in power play roles. Yes. And, and there he'll get the opportunity to showcase his skill set. And if all of a sudden you're showing creativity and chemistry with these guys, well, now there might just be those spots within games where it happens. But, and, it, but yeah. he's got he's to earn that. And that was another other uh, offseason acquisition, so to speak. Uh, Jason King, the uh, old Vancouver Canucks assistant coach, is the new – uh, assistant coach taking over for Brett McLean, who's coaching uh, Iowa. And uh, Jason King is known as a power play guy. That he, that will be his baby, and we'll see how he handles that. But if you remember, when when Kaprizov was healthy, that first unit was really good last year. It was their second unit that they were struggling with. So maybe Arosi could really help out there. Um, but, you know, that first unit, uh, if you have Addison running it with Boldy and Erickson Eck and Zuccarello and uh, Kaprizov, I, I think that's a pretty good first unit. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Pat Reese asks, uh, says it sounds like Galagasi wanted to come back to the wild in spite of the number of healthy scratches he has. Do you envision a similar role for him next season or beyond injuries? Do you see a path for him to crack the lineup more often than he did last year? Um, you know, I right now have him listed as the as the third pair left D and Merrill uh, as seventh, but that really was just a toss-up. You know, my gut says they're going to want some bite in the lineup, and when that's the case, that's going to be a John Merrill. Yeah, I would guess that you'll see Goligoski in a similar role to last year, mm-hmm. where there'll probably be stretches where he's in every night for 10, 12, 15 games, and then there'll be stretches where he's the odd man out. And it's all about performance. Does he prove it night in, night out? If he doesn't, Merrill is in, or Addison, or whoever the other guy is that's out of the lineup. And I know they're hoping that Kalen Addison can become an every-night guy because of what he brings to the power play, but they aren't going to give that to him either unless mm-hmm. he proves it. And if he doesn't, then the third pair is going to be Merrill and Goligoski. Uh Dan Hogan asked, I think the Wild have any interest in Zadina. They can't afford him. They can't afford anybody. Um, let's see. uh KHL, this is all conjecture. We've asked this, we've talked about this a lot, but looking ahead to a year, what do you see happening with Zuccarello, Felino, and Hartman? Um, are they eligible to sign extensions now that would begin in 2024? Yes, uh, they would be. Uh, they would start in the 24 25 season. Um, but right now, I, I think Felino would probably be priority number one there. That'd be my gut says. Um, and then they would go Zuccarello, and obviously Hartman took a hometown, so to speak, discount a couple of years ago. And, uh, um, we'll see what happens. But I do think that they would love to bring all back, but cap hit is the cap hit. Uh, Jeff Zeese, uh, any news regarding the wild broadcast rights for the upcoming season? Nothing, no, any news? Well, nothing, no news other than the fact that our parent company did make a, a rights fee payment that was due the Minnesota Twins July 1st. So that, that kept the rights in the possession of Bally Sports North for the Twins season for the rest of the mm-hmm. summer. I think that probably means it's more likely that they will continue, but nobody knows for sure how the the whole thing will work out. At this point, I know that Bally Sports North is fully intending to broadcast, at least I am, <laughs> fully intending to, to broadcast Minnesota <laughs> Wild Margo Games this is. year. Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, there's... It, there are unknowns for certain, and and I, I, don't, I don't know enough of the inner workings of this, but the I believe that the fact that Bally's made the payment to the Minnesota Twins to keep their rights for the remainder of this season gives you, it should give you a little insight into the fact that they intend to try to work out a new deal to continue carrying Twins games beyond this year. Otherwise, I don't know why they'd make the payment. Doesn't mean that they'll get a deal done. Doesn't mean the Twins won't look elsewhere. Doesn't mean the Twins might try to do their own thing. And and all of that could impact it too, because as a regional network, it really helps, and one of the reasons that Bally Sports North and Fox Sports North before that has been so strong is that we've had the rights for the major sports in town, for the the Wolves, the Wild, and the Twins, go for hockey on top of that, and it, you know now I've added the Loons and the Lynx and all that kind of stuff. So there's because we've been the home for all of these teams, and if you took baseball away from that, that makes a major change. So. You know, I, I think as of now, nothing's changed, and and we'll wait to see what happens as they continue through the process of bankruptcy. 
Uh, Mateo asks if they are going to keep Addison, why not shelter him with Brodine as they did with Dumba? Not that I don't enjoy the idea of a Brodine favor pairing. That would be the least sheltering ever to play him with Brodine just based on the fact that Brodine's going to be first over the boards against McDavid and Matthews right. and, you know, right. every top line out there. So, uh, I you saw know. one guy ask a question on here if we ever, if I ever use the term mini yeah. on the air. No, and nor will I ever. And it, it, that person sent me a mini hockey, a mini hat. Really? Yeah. It, it just bothers me a little bit whenever I even hear, no, when I hear other like visiting coaches talk about that, you know, when we come to mini and it's just, it's not mini and people from here don't refer to it as mini. So it's, I get it that it's the, the people from other cities that are saying it, but it's kind of like if you talk to people from San Francisco, they do not refer to it as San Fran. Mm -hmm. And they say, when people say I'm going to San Fran, they right away know that means that they're visitors. They are not from San Francisco. And you know, who used the term mini the other day. No, Vinny Letary. And he's from here. Well, he's uh, kind of, (laughs) he's from our neck of the woods. Italia. Right. Um, all right. Uh, Alex asked, why do you think uh, Dumba hasn't signed anywhere yet? Um, I think he has a deal with Arizona. I think he's probably waiting to see if the Carlson thing shakes out and maybe that opens doors, uh, elsewhere. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm a little surprised that he hasn't, that yeah. he didn't sign more quickly, but yeah, I agree. Um, like Toronto, I mean, that Klingberg deal, I would rather give it to Dumba, but I think that he maybe had an opportunity that and didn't take it, which tells me that Dumba has got something else going. Um, let's see. There, uh, I saw a couple funny ones. Uh, Carlson asked, Carson asked if I'm going to any Trampled by Turtles shows this summer, um, and I am actually. I'm going August 3rd to the one in Charleston with uh, Eric Stolhansky, who was a guest on the last show. Uh, Eric now lives down in Florida, so he's coming up with his wife. I'm going down there. And we're going to go to that show. Uh, Doug Lindgren, how heavy, uh, he's coming on our trip. How heavy is too heavy for a scotch glass, Anthony? Ooh. I don't drink a lot of scotch. I'm more of a bourbon guy. But I do, I like a heavy glass. But I, I wouldn't have any idea what the weight is. Yeah. But I know how they feel in my hand when you hold it. And I do like a heavier glass for that. If I'm going to sip on a bourbon, if I'm going to make an old-fashioned we use a lighter cocktail glass, but if I'm going to just have bourbon and I, I like it over just like a big ice cube, I, I like the little bit of a chill to it, and then you get just a hair of water in it. But I like that in a heavier glass. Um, last two questions. Michael Scott wants to know if we're going to Sweden. Uh, I am going to Sweden for that trip in November, and I'm actually going to Sweden in August to cover that NHL uh, European media tour, the one I covered in Vegas every year, only this is with a uh, bunch of European stars. So I'm uh, heading over to Sweden for three or four days in August as well. Um, we you don't, don't know yeah, yet. Yeah, you don't we know yet no how that's, uh, that's going to go, but I will be there. And last question of the show, Jordan Maximak, uh, a friend of mine. Uh, you have met him many times, uh, uh, buddy, uh, Dave Schuster's son. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and we all like him too, because, uh, back in the day he, he wrote for his high school, uh, newspaper and he disparagingly wrote about Dan Myers. So you would have immediately gained well, respect for him. Yeah. Right there. He's, he's okay in my book. Yep. He wants to know what's your drink of choice nowadays. Drink of choice. Yeah. So we're talking Sicilian red, obviously. Yeah, or, I mean, or if, a if, right. If we're talking, yeah, wine, obviously. But the I'll tell you what we've really branched out to tequila drinks in my house lately, and we got into it last about a year and a half ago due to a cocktail of the month club that my kids gave me for Christmas. So uh, I what do a great I, children, right, Ariana. I do like an old fashioned, and I like sipping on a bourbon. But I'd say the drink that we have most often now is is tequila, and we there's one we really like. It's got some lime juice, just a splash of simple syrup, chocolate bitters, wow, good anejo tequila. Mix that up, and then top it with a little sparkling pink grapefruit, and it is. So good. The first one goes down pretty quickly when you're on the patio, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I bet. Um, and uh, you know what's crazy? So you know I, I don't drink beer, um, but yesterday I went out with somebody and he introduced me to um, Guinness non-alcoholic beer. And uh, so obviously non-alcoholic tastes exactly uh, like Guinness. It's crazy. Uh, so that was pretty refreshing uh, to have my first I, I couple a, beers. I had a great beer yesterday. Uh, I, I'm a Castle Danger fan. I know it's a Two Harbors 
brewery. I love their cream ale. It's my favorite beer right now. And I, I'm a one beer guy. It's the first one tastes great, but I get so full that I have yeah. to switch to something else. And I'm really looking forward to Peroni because that I've I've been known to have more than one when we've been on Italy <laughs> trips. But um, I had a Castle Danger. It was called a Summer Crush. And I had it at a, a bar up on Big Sandy just before we left for Sicily, and it was terrific. A little lighter, crisper beer. It was it was outstanding. I'd highly recommend. You think we should wrap up the show with Ariana coming on and telling the story about when Gianni dropped all the phones in the in the uh, water in Texas? <laughs> I think that'd be a fun show. Yeah, that would be. We'll we'll save that for when she's your co-host. Yeah, Gianni, so like your your oldest daughter. We all think you know deep down that she's the favorite Lepanta child. I think that's that. But I think she lost points with both the parents on that one. Yeah, well, everybody think assumes that she's Margot's favorite yeah. because she is a miniature version but, of Margot. Yeah, and she in fact was in town over the Fourth of July and had an itinerary f- that is sent. It's like more extensive than our Sicily itinerary mm-hmm. with where they're going and what time and what they're wearing and everything else. And but yeah, so she she claims that she was trying to rescue the phones because as the responsible child, they had all given her their phones and. So she had them in her bag. They claim it was an unathletic move that had her fall in a pond on a miniature golf course <laughs> with the bag of phones. As Ariana's nodding over and, it, Right. Her, story, her version of the story was that the, the bag had fallen. She was trying to save the bag, yeah. and because of that, fell into the pond yeah. on the mini golf course. So My, my other uh, favorite Ariana story is the one that Margot tells where so it's like the same week like AJ decides to leave his laptop on a picnic table for an hour and was shocked that it was stolen. Yeah. And then Ariana dropped her phone in a lake and was like crying in the car because she wanted a new phone. And at that moment, Gianni called and was crying because she was backing out of your house and somehow rammed into the neighbor's car. Yeah. And all of a sudden Ariana just stopped crying because she realized it was just a fruitless endeavor right. that she was not her, getting a new her phone. Her phone was going to be third on the list <laughs> yeah. to the... Yeah, AJ had a laptop stolen out at UC Davis during a summer yeah. research project out there. Yeah, it was a that was a bad week for the Lapanta <laughs> bank account and yeah. bad luck for Ariana with a phone. No phone, <laughs> yeah. no phone in high school for five months. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, well, hey, uh, thanks for uh, uh, doing this. Um, hopefully, everybody will come out to our next live show. Uh, myself and a guest. On July 24th at 7 p.m. at Elsie's, we had an absolute packed house yesterday. That's what happens when Anthony doesn't come to a show; just people flock to the show. Right, Anthony. exactly. Um, abs- I mean, uh, standing room only, only at Elsie's yesterday. They did an awesome job with the guests that we had. So our next show, live show is July 24th at 7 p.m. Thanks everybody for tuning in from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. Our next show will be from Sicily about uh, in about a week. Um, thanks to our Aquarius Home Services, your installers of Connecticut Water Treatment Systems, Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling, Moe's Tavern, Royal Credit Union, Chris Lindahl Real Estate, Bosch Law Firm, and Kowalski's. Talk to you next week, everybody. Arrivederci. So much coming out, there's nothing going in. I know that you feel like you're never going to win. Oh, but the world won't That Russo is not anything like I thought he was.